you know, I, I'm lucky that I started organizing my network early on because now I have an incredible spreadsheet of basically any, everyone I've ever met um, with a little information about each person. And that really allows me to tap into my network in a way that I don't think I would have been able to do if I was just not keeping track. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Okay, today's guest is Ben Stone. Ben is a lawyer at the uh, national law firm Mintz, where he helps entrepreneurs, investors, and companies uh, generate both profits and positive social impact around the world. Um, now, Ben's done a lot of stuff before he was a lawyer. He was a managing director and general counsel uh, of an international impact investment firm. Uh, he led a team at American Express, fueling high-growth entrepreneurship in the United States. He helped start uh, Indigo Africa, which is a lifestyle brand and social enterprise uh, partnering with thousands of female entrepreneurs in Rwanda and Ghana. Really interesting. And he also founded Dollar a Day, a web platform for people to discover small nonprofits uh, with the founder of Kickstarter. Um, done a lot of other things too. Uh, he has a law degree. Uh, if he's a lawyer, he has to have a law degree from uh, NYU. Uh, and he went to college at uh, Wash U in St. Louis. Um, so Ben, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Andy. It's a real pleasure to be here. Great. So tell us about your job now. You're speaking to a bunch of people who I would guess are not lawyers. <laughs> so, uh, but but who knows? Maybe some of them are toying with the idea of becoming a lawyer. What do you do? Um, and we'll we'll go back and talk about the other stuff you've done. But what do you do now? Uh, absolutely. And um, as, as a point of clarification. Uh, through all of those different endeavors that you listed, I was also a lawyer. So I graduated from law school pretty much directly out of college and then went and did all of those different things. So I've, I've been a, a, a wide variety of, type of types of lawyers. So from a general counsel to a uh, corporate litigator. And now what I do uh, after returning to the law firm life, after being away for almost 10 years in the field, um, is a, uh, a corporate lawyer. And I focus mostly on emerging companies. Um, and startups, and I do a lot of venture capital, um, some mergers and acquisitions, uh, and a lot of corporate counsel work. So effectively operating as outside general counsel to a lot of really interesting startups, primarily in the technology space, in the clean energy space, and then the impact capital and social innovation space, which is a kind of overlaps a lot of those other areas. So give us a sense of like in the last week, I don't know, some, some of the meetings or things you've done, you don't have to tell specific names, but just like, just to give us a flavor. Sure. So um, I brought in a, a great new client that I'm really excited about. This is a perfect example. They're called Clarity. And they're a, a startup um, from the University of Massachusetts. Uh, a woman engineer came up with this technology to design, test, develop uh, innovative water purification devices. Uh, which can be used both domestically in the U.S., but also she's thinking about uh, implementing it internationally for areas that uh, really have some uh, scarce water supplies. So really interesting there. And uh, we help uh, 
get these types of companies off the ground. So how do you form the company? How do you want to structure the uh, equity allocation and control and the economics when you're starting, which is really, really important to avoid complications and miscommunications mis- uh, down the road. I also, this past week, uh, worked on a uh, venture capital finance for, uh, for a startup. Uh, and, you know, so for, we have, uh, solar companies and, uh, asset management firms. And then, uh, one of my favorite clients that I've had for a long time called Skillist, they're a perfect example of, of what we call social enterprise. And they're a job application platform that's making it easier for employers and job seekers to connect by bringing skills to the center of the process rather than just credentials, uh, really evening the, the playing field, um, particularly for young professionals and, and people who have perhaps less than a four-year college degree to enter the workforce. So really exciting stuff. You know, my favorite part about this job, why I came back to the law firm world, is the opportunity to meet and engage and, and support these incredible entrepreneurs who are putting it all on the line. And, uh, I'd say the vast majority of them putting it all on the line, not just to make uh, profits, which is incredibly important, but also to have a positive impact on the world. And that's really inspiring. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be able to help them in any way that I can. That's really interesting. I have to ask, just because it went through my mind, maybe it goes through other people's minds, especially young people who might be considering being an entrepreneur. Gosh, I'd love to hire someone like Ben at Mintz, big law firm, to do this you know, critical work to get my startup off the ground. I, I don't have much money. <laughs> how do you, how do people, sure. you know, how do, how do, how do little, little tiny companies afford someone like you guys uh, to, to, to help them? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, uh, Two things. One is that we, uh, for, for startups that we think are, are really promising and then have a, a bright future, we will often defer fees until their first or second financing or until they uh, generate a certain amount of revenue. Um, so that's, that allows them to really get uh, their, their, their feet on the ground and uh, on solid ground um, before, before those uh, payments start having to come in. And then the second thing is that we collaborate a lot with smaller law firms. So Mint is a large law firm. And so sometimes what we'll do is work with a small law firm who can do some of the, the, the day-to-day nuts and bolts for a, for a startup. And then we come in when things get uh, more complex or if there's a, a big financing that we need to address. That's, uh, so that's a way that we, we help people get in the, in the door. Uh, very interesting. Okay, so, so, so let's, let's rewind back to college. Uh, you went to Washington University sure. in St. Louis. <laughs> right, so, so have we all. So, so what did you major in? Um, you were you you mentioned you went to law school. Sort of bring us through the your your senior year into law school, and then you know from there, and we can we can go on. Sure. So senior year, uh, one of the best years ever. Of, as I'm sure many people can say that about their senior year. But also really thinking about what I was going to do in the future, and I and I had a, a sense that I wanted to go to law school. I, I majored in English, and then also minored in photography, and in fact spent most of my time on the photography part of it always really into design and, and that type of thing. And, um, and, I, and I would say it as an aside, like it often um, is, is helpful uh, based on what you majored in for the rest of your career, but I'd say it, it's largely irrelevant and the college is a good opportunity to, uh, to really dig in on some, some things that you may not have the opportunity to do later in life. So that's just one piece of advice. So I spent a year out of college um, as a manuscript editor for the University of Chicago Press, the Astrophysical Journal, which sounds bizarre since I had no um, experience in that, but it was basically checking that there was a noun and verb in each sentence. But it got me a, uh, a year of experience really looking at significant details, uh, which was a helpful experience. 
and then thought I would go to law school and kind of go from there. I, I went to law school, um, not necessarily because I knew I wanted to be a practicing lawyer, um, but because I thought that the idea of law school in and of itself would be incredibly valuable, both in terms of um, the analytical thinking and writing and communication. And I loved law school and I have no regrets whatsoever, even if I hadn't gone, in, gone to practice law at all. I think it was a, a great experience and worth it. And uh, and then from law school, it sounds like uh, you chose to do something a little bit avant-garde. Were, were your friends going on, on to more traditional paths and you chose a different one? Or tell us what happened from there. Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I also chose the traditional path out of law school. So for four years out of law school, I was a litigator at a major international law firm in New York City, uh, defending big financial institutions and insurance companies and doing some white-collar defense, uh, uh, you know, really <laughs> doing your traditional big law experience. And um, I loved it. The firm I was at uh, was terrific. Uh, I really liked being a litigator. It fit my, I think, my strengths and my, my passions quite well. Really, you know, uh, being persuasive, being a crisp writer, uh, really dipping into complex situations and becoming an expert very quickly. So I really loved it, and I was I was pursuing that path. And then what happened was, was about four years into that, in approximately 2007, a very close friend of mine from college came to me, and 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 uh, he had grown up off and on in Africa because his dad was an oil executive, and he'd always seen the entrepreneurial spirit of African women artisans, but the fact that they were held back by lack of access to markets and education. So he he also uh, took the the safe path originally, and he was a practicing lawyer down in D.C. Did not enjoy it as much as I do. Then and uh, came to me and said, "Listen, Ben, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit my job. I want to start a company. This new this new term called a social enterprise that was then kind of starting to pop up around 2007 and filling in this market gap for these women by helping them access not just markets but business education, technology education, literacy education." And I said. Man, that sounds incredible. Um, I'd always wanted to, you know, I always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, I would say, and um, seemed like a great opportunity. So I said, I'm not going to quit my job, but I will help out. And so I started helping him uh, get this company off the ground. I convinced my law firm at the time to to allow me to take in client as a, uh, a pro bono client. So I was able to allocate even more time to it, you know, approximately 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. every night um, after I got off my, my real job. And then it snowballed. So in the summer of 2008, I went to Rwanda for the first time. I'd never actually been to Africa before. And that's where we decided to, to start the company. And I, I went there with my buddy to set up the training program portion of the social enterprise. And I'd say literally within five minutes of setting foot on the ground, I said, oh, crap, uh, <laughs> this is what I have to do. Like It just became completely clear to me that you know life's short and I had to take this opportunity that would perhaps never come along. Again, and you know, I saw the power of this business model, and most importantly, I met these the women with whom we would partner, and and that was the kicker for me. So I went back to the law firm that summer, and I said, "Listen, I'm I'm going to take a leave of absence, indefinite. I'm probably going to going to bankrupt myself, most likely, and spend everything I've saved for the last four years. A is there anything you could do to help me out? <laughs> and B is you know, if I decide I want to come back, is that something that you'd be cool with? And um, they they came back to me about a week later, and they said, "Listen, we've got a counter offer." Why don't you do this full time for a year? You can stay on our health insurance, and we'll pay you a small portion of your salary. And I said, "Okay, that sounds uh, pretty awesome." <laughs> um, and then, to make a long story short, it snowballed. So we started really got into go after go off the ground quite quickly. Harvard Business School followed us around and did a case study on us. 
Uh, we brokered major partners with uh, partnerships with uh, Goldman Sachs and other main uh, major firm clients. So the firm Oric actually ended up paying me for four years um, to run Indigo Africa full time, and uh, which is something I, I never would have been able to do before. So that, uh, in short, got me off on a very different path than I ever expected. So I had spent four years as a litigator, and then four years starting and running a very uh, scrappy but sophisticated social enterprise and fashion company. Hmm. Wow, interesting. And then from there, it, you didn't directly go to Mints, right? You you did some other things. Yeah. So this was a, this was a interesting point in my career where after four years, I was a really burned out. B realized that I probably couldn't live off of uh, Oryx generosity in perpetuity, and um, so I spent some time hiring a, a woman to take over for me as CEO. Uh, she was at Merrill Lynch for twenty five years as an investment banker and just a real dynamo. So she shadowed me for a year until she took over as CEO. So the company is, was and still is an incredible hand. And then started thinking about what I wanted to do. And you know, I didn't have a lot of templates at that point, having, like I said, been a litigator and then a social entrepreneur for two somewhat different things. And I had uh, it, then it just became real serendipity where I was just talking to various friends and someone at American Express told me that hey, we're starting a effectively a task force to run programs for uh, entrepreneurs across the United States with a focus on uh, creating uh, entrepreneurial ecosystems focused on scale-up culture rather than just a startup culture. Um, with the premise that anyone can start a company and you build and scale a company is the real challenge, uh, which I wholly agree with. So I did that for about two years. Um, it just seemed like a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't I try to do this? It'd be cool to see what it's like and to work at a big corporation. Uh, it wasn't that too uh in a job at all. It was more marketing and programs and leadership and management. Um, and it was great. And we, we did some amazing things. We launched a program in Milwaukee with the governor and the, the mayor. Um, but I did miss practicing law and I missed kind of some of the nuts and bolts nerdiness of it, which I always uh, liked. And so at that point, I, I about two years in, I put my feelers out again into the, into the world and a partner at, at, at Oric. Um, was then on the board of an impact investing firm, and he told me they needed someone to come in in a hybrid role, both in the leadership um, uh, leadership as managing director, but also general counsel to manage a lot of their growing legal needs. And um, so that's what I did uh, next for uh, almost four years. And then a really interesting company with $60 million portfolio making loans to financial institutions and small and growing businesses in 35 different countries around the world across four continents to really uh, help these companies, those types of uh, companies, uh, better address uh, challenges regarding financial inclusion, uh, clean energy, and, and what I like to call smart agriculture. Um, so that was a great opportunity as well. And uh, then finally convinced my wife to um, move to Boston. She's, she's from New York, so that was a, one of the larger accomplishments I've, I've had in my life. And we're quite happy here. And at that point, I said, all right, my career has taken a very serendipitous turn. I've, I've, I've taken advantage of opportunities that were put in front of me. Now I want to be a little bit more deliberate. I'm turning 40. <laughs> I've got you know 30 more years of my career left. What can I do now that's going to provide a nice foundation and, um, and something that I could perhaps do for quite a while? And I did a lot of soul searching and, and had a lot of conversations and came back to this idea that I really liked practicing law. And because of the experiences that I've had, it made a lot of sense for me to go back uh, to a law firm, but in the corporate Space and really work with startups uh, who are having a positive impact on the world. And that just matched my experience and passion. And two years in, I'm having a great time and have no regrets. Really interesting. And you tell, I think you 
in my view, you tell the story, like when you tell the story, it makes a lot of sense retrospectively. But I imagine, I imagine prospectively as you're living it, did your career make sense to you along the way uh, in sort of a cohesive uh, fashion in the same way that you, that, that, that it sounds now? Tell us about what it was like sort of just in general kind of living forward. Sure. You know, I've thought about this a lot. And my, my conclusion is that I think one, one misconception people have about careers, particularly when you're starting your career, is that each step is like the end all and be all. And that if you don't get it right and it's not perfect, that that's going to cause you some real challenges down the road. And I, I would say that that's not necessarily true. In fact, I think that letting, keep, allowing yourself to not put so much pressure on yourself <laughs> to, to, to think that I think is uh, invigorating, which is that, you know, make the best decision you can based on the opportunities in front of you. Always be looking to, to gain skills. I think that's the most important thing is no matter what you do, make sure that you're going to be, you're learning new skills along the way. Um, cause that's really going to help propel you to, to other things, but, but don't, so don't worry so much about how, how it kind of unfolds in the big picture, because it's really impossible to predict, you know, jobs are all about timing and who, you know, and, and what's happening at that particular time. And there's never going to be a perfect job as well. And I think it's in many ways going with the flow, but with a, with an overall perspective and uh, objective of, of where you want to be at any given time, but not necessarily. I need to be X placed by you know twenty years from now. I think is if you ha- if you have that, great. But if you don't, don't don't sweat it. I would say. And how about in college? You mentioned skills. You also mentioned that you majored in English and photography. I'm pretty sure you said. Now I imagine, and you even talked about some of the skills that are involved in those disciplines, like attention to detail and in in, in writing effectively, and so on. We could probably think of others. How do you think about college in terms of preparing you professionally, even if it's not a traditional way of preparing you professionally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, college is all about in in many ways. This is per, this is a little bit higher level, but I think coming to an understanding of who you are and who you want to be, um, and that's a little bit different than gaining those hard skills, which I think are better addressed post college. I, to me, it's it's about exploring exploring what you want to do and starting to chip away at at some things that are going to position you well in the future. So for me, the English major was was all about details and writing, but but I'd say the most important part was about storytelling. And I think people underestimate the power of storytelling in basically any job because you really need to be able to persuade people. You need to be able to keep their attention. Um, you need to be able to articulate direction in a way that people are going to be able to accurately follow it. Um, and I think all of those, those skills that I gained being an English major, I think were, were critical and still critical to this day. Um, but otherwise, I think it's just, just be gaining confidence in yourself. You know, I, it wasn't really until senior year um, when I started to understand like, wow, if I apply myself, uh, which I frankly did sporadically up until that point, I can I can have some success here, and um, that that was a springboard for me. Really, was senior year when it started to occur to me that uh, that I could do some cool things if I put my mind to it. Sounds like one of the biggest impacts in your career was that conversation with your friend, who said, "Hey, I'm starting this thing up in Africa. Want to join me?" That that's a network. 
that's would you would you call that? I mean, it's it's a friend, but would you call that a network? And are those types of things that one builds in college? How do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. And that's that's the other thing I always talk about is the the power and importance of, of networks. And and networks does not mean necessarily you know who you meet at at that conference last week. It's it's your it's the be- the best networks are, are the ones that are built with with strong. Uh, friends and, and, and acquaintances and people who you've developed real personal relationships with, um, not just necessarily transactional relationships with. Um, so my, my college friends are still really important to me, really, really important to me from a personal perspective, but also professional, both from an advice and connection. People who I you know, spent time with in New York City training in, the, in Chinatown table tennis club. You know, that's how I met, for instance, the, the um, now founder of Kickstarter, but that was before he even started Kickstarter. And, you know, the, the point about networks is you never know what people are going to do, and you never know how you're going, your life is going to intersect with those people, perhaps 20 years down the line. So I think it's really important for young professionals coming out of college to, A, realize that networking means a lot of different things and um, is critically important to your career. And and also to really organize yourself, and that's that's perhaps one overlooked point is that uh, you know I, I'm lucky that I started organizing my network early on because now I have an incredible spreadsheet of basically any everyone I've ever met um, with a little information about each person, and that really allows me to tap into my network in a way that I don't think I would have been able to do if I was just not keeping track. So I'd say the earlier you can start that, the better, and you'll you'll be happy that you did. So I, I this keeps. Kicking around in my mind, I have to ask you. I imagine you didn't major in English because you wanted to develop storytelling skills for your future corporate career. I mean, that's that's a sense making about the fact that you uh, majored in English and the sort of almost yeah. in, in, inadvertent great skills you developed. But what drew you to that in the first place? It's great. Yeah, I, I totally agree because I enjoyed it. I mean, there's no there's no more complicated answer. I I loved reading and writing, and I still do. And uh, I loved photography, and I still do. Although I I don't do it much anymore, although uh, other than taking photos of my kids. But that's it. That's that's as far as my thinking went at that point, for better or worse. I perhaps could have thought it through a little bit more. Um, but I but I have no regrets. I think it was the right thing to do. No, and I don't even I, I don't even imply that it's something to regret. I actually think it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing that you. You followed your interests that were not like like I can imagine like a parent. We're, so you're you're a parent. I'm a parent too. Imagine your you, your kid says, you know, I want to I want to go to college. I want to major in English and photography. And my first job is going to be editing an astrophysics journal in Chicago. You know, am I am I am I ge- am I geared up for a fantastic career? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a great point. I perhaps would have some. Ad- Maybe my advice would be different in that the stage of my life, um, but uh, I think it comes back to playing the long game, um, which is that you know you do need to be taking steps as a young professional college student to prepare yourself for the real world in your career. But I think on the other hand, it's you know you're only going to be in college once, you're only going to be young once, uh, as far as I know. Like so, take advantage of it and do what you love. There's going to be plenty of time down the road to do things that you perhaps don't love as much. Um, and uh, so take advantage of those opportunities. Right. No, I, I, I agree with you too. Uh, one last question for you, and this is a little out of left field, but I'm curious. You seem like a super productive guy. Can you share any productivity tips with us? Anything you do 
I mean, it could be really anything that, you know, do you have any little productivity secrets? <laughs> wow. Well, I, I was off coffee for 10 years and then I had to, had to go back. I had no choice. So that, that's, that's critical. Um, I think one, one tip I would have is this idea of front loading things. I think that, you know, if I'm looking across my week, even if the, the latter half of my week seems light, I will still really, really work hard at the beginning of the week and front load everything that I think I have to do with the expectation that 12 to 100 new things will pop up by the time I get to that second half of the week. And um, inevitably, I'm always happy I did that, even though it takes a little extra effort and, uh, and discipline to do that, uh, because that's how life works. You know, life is, is you can't predict pretty much anything. And so I, I try not to leave things, even if I think I have time to do them in the future. Excellent tip. <laughs> uh, so, so we're, we're so, 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 so we're at the end of our chat. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for, for, for coming on and being our guest. Uh, is, is there, if, if listeners are interested in learning more about you or any of the companies you're involved in, is there anywhere we can direct them? Sure. Absolutely. And I would, I, I welcome, uh, all notes, questions, uh, you know, complaints, whatever. Uh, my email address is uh, bbstone at mints.com. So uh, for Benjamin Daniel, bbstone. And you know, Andy, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll leave you with one thought that I that I always have, and it, this has been clarified to me as I've had kids. Is uh, I to me there are there are five kind of principles that anyone can can really focus in on that are uh, controllable by any person, and I think it's related to careers, but also perhaps life, which is be bold be kind, be curious, be diligent, and be grateful. And I think as I think, you know, I try to follow those principles as much as, as possible. And I, and I find that things work out pretty well when I do. Interesting. I, I, I guess I, one question I have, and I know we're sort of at the end, but I still want to just a quick follow up on that. How do you, um, how do you keep those top of mind? <laughs> uh, it's a great question. Um, you know any strategy that that works? Uh, I, I I write it down sometimes. I I think about things that I'm doing and how those principles can apply. Um, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes not. But I think just thinking about them enough where they are kind of ingrained in your just and, and automatic in, in many ways, or the the default mode for for what you need to do. So you know, bold is if I'm coming against a decision where I can say. You know, I can really press this issue and ask for X, or I can, or I cannot. I'll typically say, "Well, what's the bold thing to do?" Um, or you know, kind is an easy one. That's an easy default. Is uh, you know, just be kind to everyone. It, it always comes back in a positive way, and if you're not kind, it inevitably comes back in a uh, in a negative way, even if even if you don't think it will. And um, you know, again, like curious is another example. Is just uh, I, I think that's something that's perhaps even the most important principle is that if you're curious, you're always looking to learn, you're always looking to improve, you're always, you're always looking to meet new people and gain new skills. And I think to me, that's been the main driver of my career. And this is that it, it ha I haven't necessarily had an end goal, but my, my philosophy, as long as I'm curious and digging into new things every day and feeling uh, invigorated that way, um, I could, I could do this forever. And, uh, and that's, what's exciting. That's inspiring, and I think that the listeners uh, who are who are with us here are going to be inspired too. So, so thank you so much. This is this has been great, and uh, and we know how to reach you if we need to reach you. And um, uh, thanks again. 
Thank you, Andy. It's a real pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.